0: Well, good morning. I mentioned this earlier, so we're going to be in uh, the book of Psalms. We've been in a series called The Song of Ascents, and uh, it's a collection of about 15, or not about, it's, about, it's a collection of 15 psalms um, written by different individuals. Some we know exactly who wrote them, others we're not 100% sure on, it, and this is one of those examples. And we're in Psalm 130, so right around the middle of your Bible, not quite a little uh, before the middle of your Bible, uh, is where we will... Uh, be this morning, Psalm 130. Um, One thing that I think, not I think, I know every single person has to deal with in life is waiting. Uh, And I don't know about you, but I know most of us, at least I know me and my family, I know my kids, for instance, they do not love the concept of waiting. Uh, They're asking when we're gonna be somewhere. I know that's like the joke you see on TV and those kind of things with kids asking, but until you have kids that are old enough to talk, you quickly learn that that is actually very true. It doesn't matter how many times you've seen it on TV, they're gonna ask you, when are we gonna be there? When are we gonna be there? Like, how much longer? I'm like, look at the clock. The clock, I told you earlier, or, or nowadays, you know, we have the fancy GPS on the screen. You're like, look, it has a countdown. It tells us when we're going to be there. Just watch that. Don't ask me anymore, right? We have a concept of time, and we don't love the idea of waiting. So why someone would go to Walt Disney World is a great question. <laughs> I, we, my, my, our boys and I, and I know someone was just there, but my boys and I and my wife, um, we went down this past spring uh, to Disney World, and we went to, with them to uh, Hollywood Studios. And Hollywood Studios, that we had, we'd been there before, uh, but they were, last time we were there, they were building the Star Wars land, and like, my boys love Star Wars, they love Lego Star Wars, they like the TV show Star Wars, you know, they love the movies, all that kind of stuff, and so uh, they, we gave them kind of some options of a few different places that we would go and so they wanted to go there and they wanted to ride this one specific ride there called Galaxy's Edge it's Star Wars Galaxy's Edge and it is this one of these more newer rides and it was absolutely incredible. I'm not going to lie. It was really, I loved it as well. Even uh, my wife loved it, and she could care less about Star Wars. Uh, but it was just an incredible ride. But so, like, we're trying to figure out, you know, we, like, you know, you watch all the things online, and you're trying to figure out, like, what's the best approach to Disney? There is no real good approach to Disney, to be honest. You know, you're just trying to figure it out and navigate it. And so, we've got a map. You know, we got the plan. We, we sign up for our Fast Passes, and then all of a sudden, I realize they've changed the way they do Fast Passes. It's crazy. Uh, now, it's actually ridiculous to be honest. But um, but anyways, in all that process, there's the one ride that we're like, we're going to get it in no matter what. And of course, we choose a day that like people who stay on property get to go in an hour early. Big mistake, number one. Uh, and so sure enough, like as we're waiting, we get there early, we're waiting in line, and all of a sudden here comes all these people all these people just passing us to go into the park, and we're like, all right, we still got 30 more minutes before we can even enter the park, and so sure enough, we're watching, and I'm looking and trying to figure out, like, can't, is there any way that we can get on uh, this ride? Now, you can pay for it, of course. Like, you've already paid for the ticket, but now you can actually pay to also get a fast pass, but quickly, that was already booked for the day, and so it's like, all right, we're committing to waiting in line for this thing, and we're, we did, kept debating, like, do you just wait to the end of the day, hope, like, everyone else gets tired and goes home, and then you can get on, so of course, I'm like, no, let's just go for it. We'll just struggle through the weight early on. So you get there. We get there, and you're like, all right, it's not terrible. It says like an hour-ish. <laughs> and, and so we get in line, but the, like, the line actually looks like it's moving quick. It looks like, all right, this isn't going to be too bad. And are like, you know, have you ever done this? Like those, there's like the, if you ever hiked before, and you're hiking up, and they call it like a false peak. You get, you think you've hit the peak, and you're like, Oh, no. There's still another mile uphill here. That's kind of how it felt like on this. They had, they had purposely put all these different ropes and things to make you think, all right, I'm out of this section. And then what happens? You enter another big room of like tons of people going back and forth like this. And then you're like, all right, if I get through this and then before you know it, you're in another room. And then finally you're getting closer where like the music's getting a little louder, you can hear music and it's just another room. And I, swear, I think we were actually in line for an hour and 40 minutes for this first ride of the day. I mean, it's like almost lunchtime and we're gonna ride one ride. It better have been good. It was good. We actually did it twice and we waited twice for it. <laughs> um, but the line did get shorter at the end of the day so probably should have done that. Anyways, we, we mapped out our day, it was cr- incredible. We, we were exhausted and it was a lot of fun. Minus those times of waiting in those lines. Because no one wants to wait. I think in our culture, we feed that, right? Like there's like even in business, right? Like no one's someone is if you send an email or your boss sends you an email, it is expected to get a response pretty quickly. Why? Because you have an iPhone or a phone in your pocket and that you should be able to see that email right away and then naturally just stop everything in life and respond to that email because we don't want to wait for a response. I need a response now or I want something now and it's a difficulty for everyone. We all experience this, and as we look at this psalm, last week we looked at the first four verses of this psalm, and he says, I'm going to read it, Ryan, I want us to read it together. He says this, out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord, O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. He says this, but if you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you... There is forgiveness that you may be feared. We looked at this amazing part of the psalm last week, that out of the depths, when you understand the depths of your situation, that you are dead in your sin, and there is no way out, there is no escape, there is no like, hey, like, be fair to me, God. I, I need your forgiveness, so be fair. Look, I'm pretty good compared to everyone else. I mean, look, how other, look at all these other people that are in this pit with me but at least I'm better than them, at least I'm not that bad, I, I, I've read my Bible, I'm trying to follow you, or I'm trying to do different things, all these things that we can try to do to get acceptance by God, but ultimately, what does the psalmist cry out for? He says, be merciful to me. He's, it's a cry for mercy, and he cries out for mercy from the Lord, and he's like, he recognizes a truth about God, because like, he says, if you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? The reality is it's a rhetorical question saying no one can stand against the judgment of God, the justice of God, the perfect justice of God against sinful man. If God were to hold a record of all of our sin, of all of our wrongs, no one could withstand his justice. Why? Because we're all sinners and fall short of the glory of God, as Paul so aptly says in Romans. And because of that, we need him. And so the psalmist is crying out for forgiveness and mercy because he knows the only place that it can come from is from, as you read this psalm, you see it over and over again, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord. I mean, listen, every time the psalmist is saying the Lord, he says it about six or eight times. And he's crying out to the Lord. And here's the really what we're going to pick up this psalm today is in the second half of the psalm because the psalmist goes on and says this. I want to read the whole rest of the psalm together. He says, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word, I hope my soul waits for the Lord more than watchman for the morning, more than watchman for the morning. And then is a cry, is a plea, says, oh, Israel, hope in the Lord for with the Lord. There is what? There is steadfast love. And in him is plentiful redemption. And he ends the psalm with, and he will redeem Israel of all his iniquities. This is a great psalm. It's a psalm that teaches us about forgiveness. It teaches us about mercy, but it reveals a whole lot to us about who this God is. And what we're going to look at this morning is this concept of waiting and hoping and watching. And so let me pray as we look at uh, this, this great passage of Scripture and hopefully take home a few lessons this morning. Father, we love you. We thank you again for your, for your word. We thank you that you have given us your word, and it is in your word that we hope. So, Father, help us to wait on you. Help us to rely on you. Help us to seek you with all of our heart. Um, may we understand the truths of some of the songs we've just sung that Christ alone is our cornerstone. God, we thank you that forgiveness is found in you. And so, God, we have sought you, we have sung to you, and now we sit and listen for you to speak into our lives and our hearts today. So, God, do what only you can do. Penetrate our hearts through the truth of your word this morning. And so it's in your word that, and in your name that we uh, ask all of these things. Amen. All right, so here's what we're going to look at this morning. When you see this word, look at verse 5 again. He says, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in His word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchman for the morning, more than watchman for the morning. For one, I want us to get an understanding of what does it mean to wait on the Lord. When you see, that's a phrase that's very, very common throughout scriptures. We see it over and over again, the people of God waiting. And we're ca- we see, it especially in the Psalms, that we're to wait. And so what is waiting on the Lord? Waiting on the Lord is, this is your first, uh, the first um, points in your notes here, is waiting on the Lord is, when it's described in Scripture about wait on the Lord, here's what it really means. Waiting on the Lord is a patient, confident, and expectant trust in God. Waiting on the Lord is a patient, confident, and expectant trust in God, when the psalmist here is saying, "I wait for the Lord; my soul waits for the Lord." What is he communicating? What is he waiting for? You, if you remember last week, the passage is he's waiting for forgiveness because here's what he knows: he knows that God is a forgiving God; he knows that he will forgive, and that he is a merciful God. So he's cried out for it, and now what is he going to do? He's going to wait. On him, And what is that waiting? That waiting is a patient, but it's also, it's a confident, and it's an expectant. He knows that God is quick to forgive. He knows that he's faithful, and we see in a little bit, he's, he knows that he's, he's abounding in steadfast love. He knows that he is a redeemer, that he will bring redemption. He knows these truths. Now he's just, I'm going to trust in you, so I'm going to wait on you. So when we see that phrase in Scripture over and over again, it's a patient, confident, expectant trust in God. But how many of our times of waiting are not any of those words? Patience, confidence, and expectant. I would argue very, very few times in our lives are we really, truly waiting on God with a confidence that's unshakable. I mean, I know me personally, I I can only speak from my own personal experience. I know for me it's difficult. Patience doesn't just come natural to many people. <laughs> um, you deal with people, and you deal with children in your home, and you deal with different things. Patience comes bec- comes to be a little bit thin <laughs> in dealing with things, or maybe their stresses come, and so the impatience naturally comes. I remember when I was in um, in high school. Uh, I played football in my junior year. Um, played football in uh, my junior year. I was at this point. It was early in the season, though, but I was. Um, playing like a, a hybrid safety position, and uh, I was leading our team in tackles, and it was like a, kind of a big deal. My brother was four years older than me. To me, it was a big deal. Like, I wasn't necessarily known for that or anything, but I was just kind of all around, like, okay at things, but not like great at anything. So I was our kicker, too. Um, I was not that great of a kicker either, but I was the kicker. It's like you're at a small Christian school, so you end up doing a lot of things. You're like, you just, like, if you can, if you're a decent athlete, you play everything, and so, yeah, that was kind of me, and he's, like, you're, like, Saturdays, you're just worn out, because you've played every position, and so, um, that season, I was, I was leading our team at that point in tackles, and I, uh, in pregame warmups, warm-ups, we were doing some, uh, some of our drills before, game, and I had done this, like, what they call a rip move, and I just, kinda, it's, like, you're kind of just trying to go under a block to get around a blocker, and I'd caught the guy's hip with my, one of my teammates' hip with my knuckle, and so I have this really deformed knuckle, um, because it just broke, (laughs) it's like, it just broke, and like, I tried to play the game with it, but then like, my finger kept getting bigger and bigger over the weekend, it's like, I probably should go to the doctor, and so I go to the doctor, And they, like, put, it's like my knuckle. I'm like, it's no big deal. Like, just put some tape on it or something. It'll go down eventually. And so they put me in this huge cast, like, up my arm. I'm like, it's my knuckle. Why is there a cast up my arm? And so sure enough, the doctors are like, you cannot play, um, like, tackle football for the next, like, six weeks. And I'm like, no, you can't tell me that. Like, isn't there some, like, something we can do to make sure I can play? So, like, eventually he's like, only thing you can do is kick. I'm like, I don't want to be known as just the kicker. Like, I mean, the kicker, you know, they're, they're not like, all right, football guy is kicker. You know, like, and, so, um, and so I'm like, well, if that's the only thing I'm allowed to do, okay, fine. So then here's what I would do. I would naturally kick the ball and run as fast as possible to go tackle somebody. I would kick it because I'm like, hey, he said I could get on the field. So sure enough, I'm on the field. I kick the ball and I run as fast as I can to try to tackle somebody because I just wanted to hit somebody. And, and that was me not being patient. <laughs> I'm like, all right. And isn't that, though, what we so often do? It's like, all right, God, I know you're, you're, you're having me in a season of waiting. There's no answers, but I'm going to just jump ahead. I'm going to run ahead of you. I'm going to go ahead and figure this out myself. I'm going to pave a way and a path for me. I don't want to sit and wait. Why would I sit and wait when I can do something about it? You see, especially when it, come, especially when it comes to what this psalm specifically speaking to is our desperate need. There is no way, there is no path. Outside of waiting for forgiveness and waiting for God to be merciful, you can't figure it out on your own. There's no path. There's no, like, all right, if I work really hard, if I do these things. No, it is a, a season of waiting. The people of Israel, over and over again, they had to experience seasons of waiting. Do you remember? Even from the Exodus, that God has miraculously, I talked about this a few weeks ago, miraculously parts the sea and they go across on dry land. They get on the other side, they've seen miracles and it leads to what Austin opened our service with today. The very first song that we see from Moses and the people of God singing the praises of God and how he has been faithful to them, that he's protected them from the Egyptians, and gotten them from slavery, and to their own land, and he's made this land a promised land, and they're going to go enter it, but then what do they do? They see giants in the land, and they're terrified, and they're like, uh-uh, we can't do that. We're too, we're too small. We're, they're huge. They will destroy us. They didn't trust in the Lord. Their confidence was in their own abilities. Their confidence wasn't in the Lord. Their confidence was in themselves. They weren't very expectant. They didn't think that God would give it to them, because they saw the obstacles in their way. And what happened? The people of Israel were left to be in the wilderness wandering for 40 years, waiting. And they had to learn to wait. They had to learn how to eat manna and be, and be good with it <laughs> for years. And that's what you get is manna. Over and over again, they had to wait for God's provision. How are they going to get water? God gives them water through a rock, through, <laughs> through Moses. Over and over again, God provides for them. But they had to learn to wait. Think of David, the king, king David, right? He's told early on, and, like, and as anointed king, as a little boy, I mean, I, not long, I mean, here Samuel's looking, and they bring all the sons of Jesse, and none of them, they all stand up with stature, and then here's little David, this little young teenager, out who's just a shepherd in the field, he comes, and he's anointed to be the next king after Saul. But you know what he has to do? He has to wait about 15 years or so of waiting he knows what he's going to be. He's been promised he's going to be, but now he has to wait to be actually become king. And so there's that season of waiting. All of us experience it, whether it's the, the, the fear of waiting for the diagnosis or it's the, the fear of knowing, like, okay, what, what is that next thing for me? Over and over again, the people of God are called to wait. Uh, we looked at Titus earlier in this, pa- this past year in January, and Titus two thirteen says this: it "says the people of God are waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ." You see, one of the key marks of a believer is they are awaiting people; they're waiting on God; they're resting in Him. The psalmist tells us to be still and know. That I am God. We're so busy. We're so distracted. We're so, like, I can do this myself with my own hands. I can, I can figure these things out. I can fix myself. I can do all these things, and so we're not a people who wait. We're not patient, and a lot of times through that waiting season, we're not very confident. We're like, all right, if it happens, it happens, but I mean, like, if, you're, if you can be like me, you can be kind of negative sometimes, and you're like, all right, I'm ex- my expectations are pretty low, <laughs> Keep low expectations so that when something good happens, it's like, great. But the people of God are awaiting people who expect God to come through because their confidence is in him. But here's the reality. It's not just about, hey, we should be awaiting people. It's more about how we respond. And that's if you're following in your notes there, it's this is how we respond to times of waiting determines our spiritual growth or decline how we respond to the times of waiting is more important. Your response to times of waiting is more important than than just choosing to wait, is how do you respond through that time of waiting? You see, the psalmist is not longing just for deliverance. I I want you to see this in this passage. This is what's so important, and I think this can be a key for so many of us. The psalmist is, is not just longing, or really not even just, he's not longing for deliverance, like, oh, I'm, in the, I'm, I'm, I'm drowning, God, I'm in the depths, out of the depths, I cry to you, O Lord, O Lord, hear my voice, let your ear be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy, and he's crying out for mercy, but listen, he's not just crying for deliverance, because we see it throughout this psalm, he's crying out for the deliverer, he wants the deliverer more than he wants the deliverance, we get to see this with Moses, Moses and the people of God when Moses had an opportunity to go and he's like, all right, but I'm not going, God, if you're not coming with me. He's like, I'm staying put if you're staying put because it's not worth going if you're not coming with me because he cared more about the deliverer than he cared about deliverance. But I think most of us, we just want deliverance. And however that happens, that happens. If I have a relationship with God, great. If I don't, it doesn't matter as long as I get deliverance. The psalmist is saying, oh, Lord, he's over and over again. He's crying out for the Lord. He wants the Lord, not just deliverance. And this should be our response over and over again. It should be a time of growth, not spiritual decline. But how many people do we know? How many people do you know? Maybe how times in your own life where you're going through a season of waiting and you're waiting on the Lord, and then it starts to make me bring questions. And you're like, God, do you actually care? God, are you actually good? I'm not sure if you're good, because if you were good, you would allow me to, to thrive. You would allow me to experience good things. And so, God, where are you? I'm not so sure. And so what happens is through that waiting season, we can tend, if we're not careful, we can tend to stop relying on the Lord, and we can rely on our circumstances, And we put our hope in some circumstances in hopes that that will get us through. Abraham had to wait. Think about it. Childless. Almost 100 years old. Childless. He's waiting on the Lord. He has to put his confident it's an expectant confident hope did it did it wane of course it did we see that his wife was like this is a joke there's no way she was sarah was questioning all of it and then eventually they go about trying to have a child through her handmaid hagar and sure enough they have a child ishmael but that is not that's not the child of promise the child of promise was the one that god said i'm going to make of you a great nation but then they're waiting through that season and if you're not careful you will drift you will easily drift away from the Lord if your focus isn't on the Lord. He's saying, I wait for the Lord, not just deliverance. I don't, I don't wait for getting out of this experience, getting out of this trial. I don't wait for those things. I'm waiting for the Lord through the trial. And how we respond to those times of waiting is so important. I love Isaiah 40:31. It says, "Those who wait on the Lord." Remember that psalm or, or that, that, uh, that, that uh, prophecy? as Isaiah's writing, He says, like, "Those who wait on the Lord, what does He describe them as?" He's like, they're going to have renewed strength. They're going to mount up with wings like eagles. They're going to they're gonna soar, and they're going to they're gonna, um, run and not get tired. They're not going to become weary. They're going to walk and not faint. But I would say, argue, many of us are probably like walking around like penguins or something who can't fly. You know, we're kind of waddling around through life wondering, like, and it's freezing cold. Like, everything about my life is miserable, and you're hoping to get it. You're like, I'm not feeling like my wings are very, they're like, I'm stuck on the ground. Nothing about my experience in this life has been easy and soaring, and I'm waiting, and I feel like I'm drowning. Listen, this is, you maybe you're weary and you're faint. We all have to wait, all of us. I mean, even right now, for me, you're, like, you're waiting on maybe a certain, through a difficult season of life. Maybe you're waiting for Uh, God's answer to a prayer, maybe you're waiting for different things. We all have to wait, but our response in seasons of waiting determines how we will grow. Are you going to grow through this season? Are you going to become closer to the Lord? Are you going to put your confidence more in the Lord, or are you going to put your confidence in self because you're like, "Uh, this isn't worth it? Listen, this is a Maybe God has you in this season right now as a season of opportunity for you to grow in your faith, to grow closer to the Lord. The seasons are, that's what God's doing. He's working in and through your life to draw you to himself, to bring you into relationship with him. And the psalmist says, I'm waiting, my soul, my inner being, my everything waits for the Lord. But he says it in this way, and he repeats it to emphasize it. He says, my soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchman for the morning. My uncle was in the military, and he was in, uh, he served in Vietnam, and I remember hearing different stories. I mean, he has many stories, some he doesn't like to share because it's too difficult of memories. Um, he has a purple heart, was injured by a blast that killed several in his um, uh, his team as well. And um, I can't imagine being in enemy territory, and then darkness sets in. I mean, you're surrounded, you don't know what you're surrounded, this is their homeland, And you're in it, and you're surrounded, and then you're the one who's on night watch. Can you imagine having to stay awake and watch? And you're awake. I mean, you probably have no issue staying awake because you're terrified. But you're staying awake. But what are you waiting for? You cannot wait for the sun to rise (laughs) in the east. You're like, I mean, will the sun ever come up? But what happens, right, during that season of waiting? uh, If you've, my son, just two nights, actually the past two nights, he's just struggled, one of our kids is really struggled with sleeping the past couple nights, and he's been a little frustrated by it, and it's like, then naturally, it's like, if you ever are trying to sleep, you're thinking about it too much, and then you're like, what time is it? And you're like, it's still 11.01, you're like, all right, what time is it again? It's 11.02, <laughs> are you kidding me? You know, like, the, t- the clock just goes. When I was in college, I um, was on our security team, and, uh, um, and would serve, like, the night watch, and I mean, like, there's only so many things you can do, You're like, all right, I've swept the space, I've rearranged the furniture, I have done my rounds, you're like, all right, and it's 2 (laughs) a.m., I've still got five more hours to go before the sun rises, and you're just like, it takes forever. Yet, that is true, waiting takes a long time, but here's the thing that he's emphasizing in this, isn't just about the length of waiting, it's the surety that morning is going to come. He's saying, "My soul waits for the Lord more than a watchman for the morning. That watchman knows morning is coming. All I've got to do is just endure this this time, this fear. The, the, you know, like you're, you're, everything's ar- 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 arisen, and you're watching, and you're waiting, and you're trying to put your eyes on the horizon, but you're also cannot wait for the surety of the morning to come. See, the psalmist hope, and this is where our third point comes: is this where we place our hope influences our ability to endure." Where you place your hope greatly influences your ability to endure. You see, the psalmist knew the surety of the morning was going to come, and so he's waiting for the Lord more than a watchman for the morning, more than a watchman for the morning. But then notice what he says. My soul waits, and in His word, verse 5, I hope. The psalmist has placed his hope in the Lord's Word, in God's Word. And don't just take, I mean, yes, the emphasis is on God's Word as like a totality, but ultimately it's in Him. He is, I mean, John 1 tells us, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. God's Word is His revelation. He reveals Himself to mankind through His Word, and through the Son of God, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have beheld his glory the glory of the one and only son of God you see the psalmist's hope is in the word of God and that confident expectant patient wait is because it is in a sure and steady foundation he's confident because God's word is never failing the Bible tells in Isaiah 40 verse 8, the grass withers and the flower fades, but what? But the word of our God will endure forever or stand forever. You see, God's word, it grounds us. It is a steady and sure foundation on which we should build our entire lives. Our lives should be, con- we should live confidently because we have a confident God who is trustworthy, who is faithful who is good and kind and is ever-present and will be with us through the trial and the storm. See, we can trust in Him. I love Octavius Winslow, uh, this quote from him. He says this, uh, sometimes Old English can be hard, so I might have to say it twice, but listen to how he says it. I think it's important for us to hear. Octavius Winslow, he says this, God's Word is the only plank to which faith clings And then he describes it this way, and the person whose faith is clinging to that plank, God's word. He says, and clinging to which will float the tempest-tossed, wave-buffeted soul to the shore. He's saying God's word is that only plank. You're in the middle of of an ocean, and there's a plank to hold on to. He's saying God's word is the only plank to which faith clings, and clinging to which will float the tempest tossed wave buffeted soul and it'll lead him to the shore you see god's word is what we need we need a word from the lord and here's the great thing is you don't need to hear it you don't need like wait let me let me see if god speaks audibly into my ear or gives me a vision or in my prayer or in my in my sleep he gives me a dream that opens my eyes oh this is what i'm supposed to do no he has already given us his word this is all we need this is his divine revelation to us And he's given it to us, and we should put our hope in this. Because what does God's word do to us? It reveals himself to us. We get to know what God is like. We get to know his heart. We get to know who he is. And this is what the psalmist is about to proclaim. Because he has experienced God's forgiving grace. He's now going to declare it. And look what he says in verse 7 and 8. He's been waiting for the Lord, and here's his call. He preaches a sermon, it's a short one. He preaches it in verse seven and eight. "O Israel, hope in the Lord. What? For with the Lord there is what? Steadfast love. and in him is I love, I love this adjective here, plentiful redemption. And He will redeem Israel of all His iniquities. This I just put in your notes, just literally a quote basically from Scripture. With the Lord, number four is this, because here's why we put our hope in the Lord and in his word. Why? Because with the Lord, there is faithful love and plentiful redemption. I want you to see that and be amazed by that. With the Lord, with God, with the Lord, there is faithful, steadfast love and plentiful redemption. Look what the psalmist is saying. He's saying it right here. Oh, Israel, hope in him. He, two, two times when he mentions hope, he says, hope in his word. In your word, I hope. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word, I hope. And then when he's calling Israel, he says, oh, Israel, hope in the Lord. Why? Why should I put my hope in him? Notice what he says. Why would God forgive me? Why would God forgive me of all my sins? Why would he forgive you of all your sins? Why would God forgive sinners? Why? It is in this verse, for with the Lord there is steadfast love. That is a hesed love. That's the Hebrew word that we get in in scripture for this steadfast love. It is not just your typical love. It's a hard to describe love because there's so many words that go with this kind of love. But it ultimately is a loyal, I love you because I love you. Not any reasons behind it, not because you're affectionate or you're beautiful or you're wonderful or you're good to me. No, it is a faithful love. It's the love that we see most described or the the biggest description is in Hosea. Hosea and this kind of love and pursuing a prostitute woman who continued to not be faithful to him. And he kept going after and God was saying, this is who I am. I'm the God who pursues the adulterous people. People who choose to not love me, who choose to live their life in sin. God continues to pursue. And so he's saying, oh, Israel, hope in the Lord. Why should I hope in this God? Because he is a steadfast God who is full of steadfast love. And notice what he says next. And so why would he forgive us? Because he's steadfast in his love. How does he forgive us? How can we be forgiven? Because with the Lord, there's plentiful redemption. And ultimately, this was a redemption that was going to be paid in full in Christ alone that we were just singing about. His payment for sin. He redeems us. This is why I love this word. This is why we named our church Redeemer Community Church. Because he redeems his people. He comes and he purchases their freedom. He comes to pay the price. I have paid it in full. You can be forgiven, forgiven. And then what does he forgive us of? So like, he, why does he forgive us? Because of his steadfast love. How does he forgive us? Because of his, he is a redeeming God. He has plentiful redemption. There's more than enough redemption in Christ. And of what does he redeem us of? He redeems us of, look at it, all our sin. Every drop, every ounce, every evil thought, every evil deed, Every sinful motive, God's forgiveness and his grace is always, it is always greater. He is a redeeming, faithful, steadfast God full of love and grace and mercy. And he is quick to forgive and he's calling out, listen, he's calling out to the people of God to Hey, experience this. I've experienced it. I was in the depths and I cried out to the Lord for mercy. And I waited on him. And sure enough, because he is a faithful and steadfast loving God, he came to my rescue. And now he's crying out to all of Israel saying, Israel, hope in the Lord. Because with the Lord, there is steadfast love and plentiful redemption. And he will redeem Israel of all his iniquities. It's a sure thing. I want you to see it. Look at what he says. Verse 8 don't miss these kind of statements in scripture. Look at verse 7 first. Hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there even that small word right there is is steadfast love. Not possibly steadfast love. There is steadfast love. Notice with him. And with him is plentiful redemption. And notice this next line, verse 8. And he will redeem Israel of all his iniqu- or from all his iniquities. This is surety. This is why you can wait on the Lord with a confident, patient, expectant response from the Lord. You can wait on him because he is sure and steady. His word is true and his promises are always yes and amen. He never fails. He never, oh, I forgot that. Like How many times does that happen to us? We forget something. Oops, sorry. That never happens with God. There's no oops and sorry. Like, He is always faithful and true. Put your hope in the Lord. Here's the reality. You can do the same. You can cry out to Him right now where you are, and you can experience His forgiving grace. It is sure to come to the person who, by faith and trust in God, and a cry for mercy and repentance of sin, He is quick and faithful to forgive. It's 1 John 1 nine that we looked at earlier. He's saying, oh, Israel, hope in the Lord. Put your hope in him. He is faithful and just to forgive. Listen, rest in his love for you. It is a loyal and consistent, never failing love. There's plentiful redemption. There's more than enough. This means there is never too great a sin or too low of a place for God to forgive. Paul so aptly put it. He says, where sin increased, grace abounded all the more listen to the certainty of that he will redeem israel he will do this he surely will he can and will forgive your sin so listen acknowledge your sin today repent and believe the gospel that jesus has paid the full price for your sin not partial payment he has paid it and full through his death and burial on the cross but you can have hope because he rose from the dead Here's my next step to you. If you're following Jesus, tell someone, open up, start a relationship with someone, a discipleship relationship saying, you know, you're not meant to follow God alone. You need the church. I need the church. We need others to help us understand scripture, to fight sin and grow into becoming more like Christ. I mean, if you don't have someone or know someone uh, to speak into your life on a consistent basis, would you seek it out? Just seek it out. Be humble enough to be like, you know what? I need some help. Maybe you don't know anyone, and you're like, I don't know. Talk to me. I would, I would love to, or I would love to direct you to people who would love to walk with you. For the men in this room, they, we have uh, different Every Man a Warrior groups that meet just for just discipleship to grow in our our being faithful and accountable to other men to be like, I want to pursue, I want to live this life well, and so I need other people to speak into my life and to help stir one another towards love and good works, as Hebrews tells us. For women, maybe there are some who have walked with God for a long time. I mean, lean into those people. Seek help and mentorship. I mean, can I just paint a picture for a second this morning? What would it look like if every one of us were following Jesus together? I mean radical. Like we're like, okay, God, every day my life is yours. I go to work today for you and for your glory. I'm going to work hard under the Lord, but when you're giving me opportunity to share your love or to, to show grace to someone, I'm going to do that. When I meet someone, I'm going to do this. Or when you know, when I have a moment, I'm going to spend some time in prayer. I'm going to spend some time in God's Word, a little extra time here, a little there. I'm going to take time to lead my family in devotions or pray with my spouse or my loved one. I'm going to lead out in these ways. What would it look like if, we, if God's word caught fire in our hearts and our love for him grew? What would that, what would that mean? Not just like, oh, we could grow as a church. No, no. I, I mean, what would that look like in a community? How could a community be transformed through people who just passionately serve and love the Lord? You See, that's what I want. And that takes discipleship. It takes other people. It takes people in your life to motivate you. Like, I mean, Ecclesiastes tells, pity the person who falls and has no one there to pick him up when he stumbles. that's, That's sad. But I'd say a lot of us, we kind of go through this life on our own, trying to figure it out. And God's saying, listen, I've given you the body of Christ, I've given you other believers to stir you, to encourage you, to help you, to point you through the way, to like help you when you start drifting. You're getting out of alignment again, and someone's like, hey man, I've noticed, I've noticed this a little bit with you lately. I've noticed this, and they're stirring you and pushing you back on the path again. What would that look like for us? Scripture's telling us, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love and plentiful redemption. Let's shout that out to the community. I'm, I'm blown away at the opportunities my wife specifically has, and we have, and I have through her, of just different people that come into our path constantly, whether it's in our neighborhood, like last night. I mean, we're at the pool last night, kind of late, run into some, some more people, and it's just neat how God gives us opportunities to just talk to people. All it does is take a, take a little step, like step out in faith, like have a conversation, and in that conversation, you're able to weave in some wonderful truth about the Lord because what you're going to find as you talk to people is that people are broken and they're looking for answers and they're, they're in a season maybe of waiting and they're in despair and they need the hope that only is found in the Lord. Let's put our hope in him. Let me pray. Father, we thank you again for your word. We thank you so much. It is a word that we need that gives us the confidence to wait because we have a confident sure God, to put our hope in. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for your Son who came to purchase and pay the price for our sin. And that sin um, was nailed to a cross. But just because you have died doesn't mean we get to be saved. God, it is, The Scriptures tells us it is by grace you've been saved, but it, the way we receive it is by faith. So, Father, I pray that your faith, the faith of individuals in this room, that they would put their hope in the Lord. Because with the Lord, there is steadfast love and plentiful redemption. I pray that they would experience this in maybe a new way. And that that would lead to boldly pursuing you with everything they have. That the things of this world would really, truly grow strangely dim in light of your glory grace and so I pray that you would help us to be a people who love you and are real and genuine and that we would do this life in community with other believers stirring each other up and encouraging one another to grow closer and closer to you God so help us, Father we need your grace, we need your goodness we need your mercy and we thank you that that is a sure fact because you are a faithful and merciful and steadfast loving God Help us to believe that and rest in waiting on you for your, ultimately your return to make all things new. We anticipate it. Help us to be patient through that. Help us to not wane in our confidence. Help us not to get distracted from the things of this world, but put our hope in you and in you alone. God, we love you. We thank you so much for your blessings, blessings that we do not deserve. And so it is in Jesus, our Savior and Son of God, it's His name that we pray.